Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Cooker podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? What up? Uh, I'm doing well, Andrew. I don't, I don't, sorry. Was, yeah. yeah, a little weird. Uh, you know, this is how it goes. Uh, I, I, I'm i doing well. It's uh, Wednesday night. Pretty happy about recording and having uh, some beverages with my good friend. Uh, yeah. No, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've spent... Uh, <coughs> 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 I spent a few weeks in a rabbit hole. Did we talk about it last week? The, the fountain mm-hmm. pen? Yeah, I've spent a few weeks in that sort of fountain pen rabbit hole. That's been fun. I've gotten some writing instruments in, and I've gotten some inks in. And, you know, I'm using these things professionally on a regular basis, right? I think that... That's how you can justify it. Well, sure. And I don't feel like I need to justify it, but but it does make more sense. You know, I write so much with a pen. You know, I, I think very few people write with a pen during the day professionally you you know doctors um and and lawyers and certainly other professions but by and large people aren't writing you know they're typing correspondence or Mm -hmm. or whatever so i just so happen to be in a profession where i write you know two dozen pages of notes every single day and so it, it's been fun. I've gotten a lot of opportunity to use it. There's been some complications. Uh, you, you know, paper is mm. paper's tricky. I think I've I think I've found some resolutions. Um, uh, there's obviously nice paper, but that's sort of as as many notes as I write. Yeah, that seems <clears> a little <throat> wasteful. You know, Rhodia pads I think are like. They're expensive, right? I think they're like ten bucks, um, and and so you know I might go through two pads a week, realistically. Uh, is the is the paper of of your your run of the mill legal pad too thin? Yeah, it's too thin, <clears throat> and it's just the composition of your run of the mill yellow legal pad causes uh, feathering, basically the ink. Hits it and bleeds. And bleeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I did, I, I I have gotten some Rhodia pads and they're very nice to ride on, but not the most sort of economical option. There's another option that I picked up on Amazon, actually. It came on a recommendation off the Pen Addict Slack. Uh, it's a brand called Mintra. Hmm. And they make a premium pad, which is pretty economical. I can't remember how much I paid, but not very much and the paper is really pretty thin i think it's like a 20 gram um which in fountain pen paper terms is thin but i gave it a little test run at home and i was like i think this might work it just it seems not to bleed uh so we're gonna give that a try there's also inks that are quote-unquote drier you can play with anyway so i've just been having i've been having fun with that but it's not without its dabbling uh, I'm dabbling. Uh, it's not without its quirks. Um, and, and weird so, that you would have a quirky uh, obsession. <laughs> Who yeah, saw that coming? It, yeah, that's right. I was actually on the Pen Addict Slack earlier today, 
and some folks were talking about the new Yemma micro. Oh, okay, so the Pen Addict, Pen Addict is a, a website, and it's run by this fellow named Brad Dowdy, who's sort of, in my mind, like the OG pen guys, the guy who sort of clued me into like the high-tech C pens and... Um, he's got a Slack, which has got a billion members, I think. Actually a billion. Yeah. And, um, there's a watches, there's a, a, a watches sub Slack. I don't know what they call it. Channel channel. I think that's what, that is what they call it. There's a watches channel on there. And they were talking about the new Yemma release that we're going to talk about more, which is a micro rotor. And someone said, can we please stop using micro rotors? It's, it's an antiquated movement that has been abandoned for a reason. You're on a Slack talking about pens, you dickweed. <laughs> You're on a fountain pen Slack that talks about mechanical watches. And so that's actually what I said. I was like, well, both fountain pens and mechanical watches are antiquated technology that were abandoned for a reason. And I don't care. I want it. Yeah. I want it. All of it. Give me that micro rotor, Yemma. We're coming back to you. So anyway, I'm doing really well, Andrew. How are you? I am also doing really well. I'm kind of tired. And I don't really know why. It's like it was just a really normal day. I worked from home. I think it's all the Chinese food. <laughs> I think it may be. Yeah, uh, I definitely had a bit of a like a yeah, a little after. power down. Uh, so my wife and I have a tradition of Chinese food uh, for Valentine's Day. Today is Valentine's Day for us. It's not anymore for you listening, but it was. Uh, so we had Chinese food. You are without Kim tonight, so we we brought you into our Valentine's Day tradition, kids and all. Got a um, an actual mountain of Chinese food. Um, some a little bit, a little bit sluggish right now, but other than that, really good. I could go for a nap. Well, you're going to have to wait at least an hour by our standards, probably more like an hour 10. Yeah, we can, we can get through this. We, we're going to power through it, dude. So we're, with that said, we're not talking about fountain pens tonight or Chinese food. We could, we or, could. or even Valentine's day rather, Andrew, we're talking about watches and with that, uh, I think we should just... Do you want to jump into the Yemma since we've already kind of broken the seal on it? Yeah, why don't we? So, uh, Yemma, one, not actually the French brand I expected to talk about tonight. There's another French brand that we're not going to talk about tonight because we respect your embargo, Baltic. <laughs> <laughs> We respect your embargo, and we're and, law-abiding. We will respect it. Yeah, we will. That's right. Oh, yeah, that's a really good. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to talk about a different French brand called Yemma. And you that, just push our episode release a couple hours. Right, just release it later in the day. Yeah. Um, so FYI, Baltic has an upcoming release. They've told you that that so will be released on Thursday at, I think it's 4 p.m. UTC, which is something like 
I don't know. It, it's after we publish, so we're not going to talk about it. But Yemma, no such restrictions. Yemma's released an update to what I think is a really cool watch. Yeah, they, they made something cool cooler. So I believe today, or perhaps yesterday, Yemma announced the Superman Slim CMM.20. I think that's how we say that, right? Um, I'm accepting of that. <laughs> so the Superman, um, that who? It, it, Superman is one of Yemma's sort of, I guess, flagship watches. I think that's fair to say, right? I think with them putting all this technology into it, yeah, I'd call that a flagship. Yeah, yeah, but they've they've made some change. They uh, they've now equipped this thing with their own in house. Uh, or, or I don't know, is this in-house or I think it's in-house, right? <sighs> Micro rotor movement. Um, this is a 39 millimeter sort of classic style dive watch with a phenomenal looking bracelet. I will say phenomenal looking because I've not actually handled one of these with a 300 meter water resistance. And it's cut down to... A really, really appealing. Gosh, I just had the number, Andrew. Oh, it's ten two. Ten two. Yeah. Yes. It's a three point seven millimeter movement. Yeah. What? Yeah. So this is a ten millimeter dive watch. Yes. Oh, sorry. It's twelve with the two mil two two millimeter dome crystal. So it's 10 millimeters. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So 10 plus, <clears throat> plus a big old high hat. 10 two. That's why I was 10 two was in my head, <laughs> which is, which is terrific. Sorry. And, and, and yeah, that's right. You do have to count the crystal, but who cares? The case on this thing is fantastically thin and yeah, it's got some cool shit going on. Yes. Besides the micro rotor, so the the in-house movement is really interesting to me. It's the uh, Caliber Manufacturer Morteau 20, hence the CMM 20 name. Um, Caliber Manufacturer Morteau, manufacturing the, where what is it? The bridge, main plate, and some other components there being manufactured in France, which is really cool. Mm. Um, others are coming out of La Local, which isn't shocking, kind of to be expected. Um, as I think this is still bearing Swiss on it, isn't that? Uh, yes, I, I do believe that's right. Ooh. Uh, you know, they actually don't say Swiss made, so I, I, th I think that maybe maybe that's not a thing. I think maybe this it's is maybe it's bearing French made. I, French made, yeah. yeah. Manufacturer Francais. Ooh, that's enamel fancy. Francais. Uh, enamel lacquer dials. CMM twenty. I mean, it's got all the bells and whistles. Twenty three hundred bucks for in house dive watch. Yeah, I'm, and it's beautiful. Andrew, do you know what we call this style of bracelet? Do we just call this a, a Yemma style? What is this? What do you call it's, that? It's almost like a flat 
I don't know. I I think it's a Yema style, right? It's it's this it's a hybrid between like a beads of rice and an oyster, right? It's using beads of rice in the middle with oyster outside links. Yeah, it's sort of got like a hexagonal. It's sort of got like an alternating hexagonal jubilee type of deal. Yeah, I accept that. And they're all flat links. These are good. So this was revived at, this was revived in 2018 from a 1960s Yama model um, with, you know, sort of modern proportions, but also Yama did a good job in sort of keeping this thing pretty conservatively sized. Um, but for them to come out with this thing in such a slim, I think, IMO, really attractive case, this thing's pretty dang cool. What do you call the um, reader, is is what I'll call it, <clears throat> the kind of bezel guard atop the the bezel on the crown side. So it's actually a lock for the bezel. I oh. would just call it a bezel lock. A bezel lock. Um, I think it's certainly an anachronistic. I've never seen one on, on like a modern watch. You know, I know that Yemma is not the only one that does this. Who's doing them? But I think, well, you, you know, obviously different than... Um, yeah, it, it, I think Yemma's, this is the watch that I think primarily is doing this today. And, and maybe the, maybe they're the only one shit. I don't know. we got a full loom option in this, a blue and a black and they're gorgeous. Yeah. Just two colors. Just two. Why am I seeing a white and a blue? I think it's just black and blue. So these are going to go on pre-order. Yema is sort of still doing the pre-order thing. That's okay. Oh, it's because I'm looking at a link that I accidentally opened of a full-loomed version. Oh, so, but that's that's with the Edda movement, right? Yeah. Yeah. So these will go on pre-order 20 February 2024, uh, 2,490 euro or, or US dollars. Apparently, there's no difference now. Um <laughs> Delivery in May. Pay in cash or in American dollars uh, and get a screaming deal. I'm kind of into it, dude. These are cool. Uh, I like the micro order technology. I think it's a really underutilized way to make super svelte watches. Monochrome has called this bracelet a scale style bracelet, which tracks it. They look like scales, right? Mm -hmm. That's what monochrome is, is calling this. Um, a hundred pieces will be delivered in May, 2024. So I, I, that, that suggests that if you're not in those first 100 orders, you may be a little bit behind a little bit later than that. Yeah. All right. I think that's a cool release. <clears throat> yeah, me too. What's next? Um, oh, next up for me. Uh, I have a an interesting citizen that I'd like to talk about. A Andrew, hold on. Uh-huh. Was the Yemma your pick and then I just took it because it was also my pick? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. It's okay. Sorry to everybody. That's just how I roll. I'm kind of a... You're just kind of bossy and pushy. <laughs> this is, you know, this is, this is my lot in life. A rolling stone. Uh, 
So a, a new release from Citizen, the new Atessa Hakuto R. Now, I I really don't like these watches. These are very uh, fashion citizen watches. <laughs> I love when you do this. Uh, what is really cool about this? So these watches are designed in conjunction and in honor of the Japanese space program. They are using the same titanium that they are providing to the space program that is being used on their unmanned lunar landers for their space flights. That's what makes this really cool. There's quite a few other moon and space inspirations into this. Uh, if this is the kind of thing you're into, awesome. But I'm really excited to see another company partnering with a space agency to propel technology and to be on the, the tip of the spear, as it were, in this kind of scientific and explorative endeavor. Uh, and it's really cool to see that kind of partnership. It'd be cooler if they could do um, a maybe, maybe more attractive watch uh, or, or even just less ugly, uh, but super cool. Yeah, you know, Citizen is... Uh, Citizen has a couple of different modes, right? This is their, I think, sort of modern, um, you know, giving the impression of kind of that skeletonized, like almost faux faux yeah. horology. And maybe that's unfair to them. I, I also surmise that this is a style of watch that carries more weight with a Japanese audience than it does with the traditional American watch nerd audience. The, the neckbeard people like us, yeah. Um, and these are big. They're they're 44.6 millimeters, uh, 3,000 bucks, but they packed in some cool uh, GPS technology into these. So these are automatically syncing to your current time zone between three and 30 seconds, it'll take to recognize that you're in a new time zone and update your time, which is very cool. Uh, we have three varieties here. Um, so the first is, and the, these are all in titanium. And they, I, can't, I don't know if they're PVD or, um, it doesn't matter. First has a moon phase. These are all, so they're all black. They all have dark moon colored dials, but for one, which has some bronze accents. So some, some moon feature on the dial with a moon phase. The next is kind of a green dial with like the center link of the bracelet being made to be reminiscent of the surface of the moon. And these are the most limited. That version, the green dial, is the most limited. Yeah, it's got a different pusher style, and it is the most expensive, too, at $2,500. Yeah. It, whatever. Uh, and the last has <laughs> a bronze bronze accents to it and a, and a gold um, mm. kind of inlaid surface of the moon within its uh moon phase date wheel and a 24 hour sub dial 
Whatever. They, yeah, they're they're you know, I don't. So the green version actually has like a world time bezel. Oh uh, yes, yeah. It, it you know I will say all of these are interesting. I think they all have a moon surface dial. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I have trouble loving these watches, but I think they're pretty cool. I I think the coolness is is in the partnership between. Um, Hakuto R and Citizen, and that Citizen is providing titanium. And I mean, fees are like, presumably, if they're already providing equipment in the way of uh, material to the space program, they'll also be providing the watches when they decide to ultimately go to manned space flight and, and hopefully a, a manned lunar landing if they can get that worked out. Yeah. Which would be cool to see another another brand making their way into space history. And, and Citizen's the right brand for it, too. Uh, 100%. Just, you know, do something better for the rest of us. Yeah. You, you know, there's probably some... There's probably some chapped asses over at Casio, but... Be better, Casio. Yeah. We've got MRG. Um, I'm going to get a threefer. <laughs> Are you going to do it? I'm going to do it. Do you, this isn't even on your list, is it? It almost certainly is. You sent me one unique thing. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking. It, it's not on your list. Oh, it okay. is. It is on your list. Okay, I'll take my unique thing. No, no. Do the, you, do the three fur because the three fur is dope. And we can talk about it. Okay, so Sin, Zin. I, I, said some, I said recently on the show, I never know whether they say Zin or Sin. And someone was like... Hey, it's someone's name, asshole. It's pronounced Zen. Okay, I got it. I'm with it. Zen. There are a lot of names that we mispronounce. Yeah, but you know, I feel like... It's a ginger fella, that singer. He did a cameo in Game of Thrones. Shroop? Yep. (laughs) Ed Shroop. Zen (laughs) released their novelties uh, today on Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day for us. It'll be... Yesterday for you, but Zen released their spring novelty release. I think they do this annually. It's a handful of releases. Um, and uh, some bangers. Yes. Andrew. So first up, they dropped a Zen 103, which is sort of their one of two, but, but one of Zen's flagship chronographs. Very, very, very classic chronograph watch um i'm not enough of a zin guy to have noticed this but for folks who are familiar with this watch you i ostensibly will notice that the dial layout is different so the zin 103 is traditionally a 6912 tri register three register layout with a day date at three o'clock this, however, not so. And that is because it is a hand-wound 103, which has not been something that Zen has done for a very long time. That makes this an incredibly cool watch. So they're calling this, man, the 103 don't Or how are you? Stita head. 
Um, yeah, this is a 369 three register hand wound Zen 103 uh, with a manually wound Salida 510. Uh, and it's fucking rad, dude. Limited to a thousand units. Which means you're not going to get one because you can't get Zins like main catalog stuff. I mean, I think that I think there's enough of these that they'll be available. Uh, three thousand, maybe not. Re- well, there's no five five sixes on the planet. <clears throat> Twenty eight, yeah. two thousand eight hundred seventy, which is, I think, a right. super fair price for this watch. Right there, yeah. <clears throat> um, and it's just cool. It's got a great dial, a beautiful dial. It's got this sort of black champagne and. Um, red motif with really poppy and tasteful red accents. Uh, fantastic black Zin die or bezel that, yeah. Their finishing on their watches is so great. The only thing I would like to see on this is a bracelet. And I think that's something that Zin does really interestingly is it's like bracelet or not. There, there's, you get what we're, what we're giving you. Does the 103 ever come with a bracelet? I, I don't know. Because I'm also not enough of a of a Zen connoisseur to, to be able to give you their catalog off memory. But um, I like their bracelets a it, lot. And it, I, The answer is yes. It does. It does. The answer is yes. Well, excellent. With an H-link. And it's attractive, too. Um, next up, three <laughs> U50s. But not just any U50, a Z- Quartz U50 Hydro, all caps, Hydro, Hydro S and Hydro SDR with 5,000, I feel like Dr. Evil, I've got my painting. Yeah, I know. 5,000 meters of water resistance, which... <laughs> That's not enough. I think they're making fun of the objectively best scale. They're like, you know, this is like a middle finger. Uh, 5,000. And that's, they could probably achieve more. So they're achieving this by oil filling the case, which prevents pressure in a way that air does not. So well, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, I mean, it eliminates the vacuum. Mm-hmm. It, it equalizes the pressure, and it's just nothing's getting in. Nothing's getting in, Andrew. Until you get to 5,001 meters, and then just the weight will crush the watch. Um, these are super cool. They're, they're U50s that, that are like, we know these watches. These are tegmented steel. Um, I, actually, so the... The Hydro, let's see, uh, Tegmented Steel Bezel. The SDR has a black hard-coated Tegmented Bezel. And the Hydro S has a full black coating and Tegmented treatment, so the whole thing. So we've got the Hydro, which is silver, Tegmented, whole thing. The SDR, which is a silver case and a black tegmented bezel. And then the SDR is all tegmented. These start at 2500 bucks, and they go up from there. Steep for a quartz watch, but I think considering what you're getting, um, yeah. And you can't, you can't achieve this with a mechanical movement, I don't think. 
you can't do oil filled. You, you yeah. can't do oil filled mechanical. Yeah. I don't. Oh, maybe maybe that's not true. We shouldn't say can't, but I think generally speaking, oil filled is reserved for quartz. Yes. Uh, great size on this forty-one millimeter case, eleven eight thick. Great, eleven eight thick for this. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a terrific size. I mean, the U fifty is really just a terrific watch. Yeah. Uh, finally up for our three for the Zin U fifty SL. This is the same case, but this time with a mechanical movement, specifically an SW three hundred, an automatic movement, not hydro, and so we're limited to a measly. A pittance, 500 meters of water resistance. The nerve. <laughs> this, uh. is, this is really terrific. It's a full black PVD case. Uh, I do believe it is tegmented. E shit. I'm looking. I, I think it's got to be. It is, a, I, I believe, a full black PVD tegmented case and bezel with... A full mm-hmm. loomed dial. I think they. I think all of them are tegmented. Isn't that the whole Zin line? Is they're all at a te- tegmented German submarine steel? It's not. It, so the, some components are. Some components oh. are. Yeah. Yeah. So with the, with the U fifty, you, you get a fully luminous dial. Okay. It, it's it is loomed, <laughs> and it's a blue loom. So it yeah. it, it renders really white in the light and a nice, that nice cool minty blue at, at night. Only 500 of these leather silicone black tegmented bracelet available with it. Uh, on the bracelet, 3,250 pounds. So or euros, not pounds. They expensive. Yeah. But you know, at, at a limited of 500 pieces, and this is in quality. This is that's that's the zone. Yeah, it's it's a specialty watch, specialty price for a specialty watch. And but that's what you pay for Zen. And I think it's worth it. I've I've only got to handle a few in person, uh, and was very very impressed by them. What up next? I always wonder about the German submarine steel comment. Like, are they cutting it off of, like, U-boats that are being recovered? Or is mm-hmm. it coming from, like, the... That's what they do. Actually, yeah. they break in to the military facilities, and they just, like, with a plasma cutter, and they just quickly grab a piece. Just take pieces of bulkhead. And they run. And they're making such cool watches that the German Navy's like, ah, it's okay. Like, it's the fucking sin assholes again. <laughs> and then they're like, it's his name! It's... <laughs> <laughs> What's next? Okay, next up for me, this is a brand that I never, ever, ever, ever thought that I would <laughs> utter on this show. Never mind talk about making watches. Dior. So Dior is uh, among the LVMH umbrella, and they are making a... Attempt at watches again. They're using, because of their unique access, Zenith movements. And I gotta say, I really like these releases. It's two 
all black watches, one in a three hand, four o'clock red crown. The other is a chronograph, again with a great red pusher. These are really interesting. Because why? Like, what? Dior? The, the, the perfume company is somehow dropping two gorgeous watches. I don't know how I feel about it. Now, because they're Dior, uh, where's the price on these? Um, I don't know that the price is out. I'm not seeing one right now. It, it, it's a lot. Yeah, they're going to, I mean, they're going to be five figures. I don't see a world where they're not, especially using an El Primera movement in this chronograph. Um, oh, shoot. The article that I'm reading does not have much in the way of information. Oh, I failed. What? Yeah, pick better articles. Be better. Um, you, you know, I, I hadn't heard of these watches before you sent this to me, Andrew. Uh, movement's cool. Watch is interesting. Uh, I can't help but think these look like Bertucci's. They look like <clears throat> murdered out Bertucci's to me. A little bit. Is that unfair? Is that unkind? Uh, they look like murdered out Bertucci's with, um, with like plastic bits and bobs. A little bit. Um, I go more towards like, um, like Bell and Ross kind of techie feel, like not quite their cyber line, but like maybe somewhere between, between that and like Panerai, you know, just like a little gaudy, but still like in the space where I, I like it. I think I'm embarrassed that I like it, but I do. You know, I kind of wonder, I mean, it, it it makes a lot of sense for Dior to be doing this. Um, but I've got to wonder, like, why? Yeah, I, I mean, really, I, I know Dior does watches and they've done watches, but really they're doing, like, not horology um, I mean, they just dropped an El Primero in a watch. They, they were doing a thing. Yeah, it's their brother's money, but like they're still doing it. Yeah. Um, it, it, I, yeah, actually, Andrew, I'm just going to come out and say it. I think these are kind of stupid. Uh, I think it's interesting. I think it's there. The, and there's a Turbion too, right? Uh, I think that's a previous, um, previous releases you know i, I a think flying turbion movement with I, a micro rotor I, I think the uh, it, where my head's at is that if if dior is going to make a watch and they're going to try to release a serious timepiece that maybe they don't maybe they don't come out with their pants all the way down <laughs> right like you know, put on some short shorts. Fine. Tease it a little bit. Yeah. Right. You know, show some thigh, but they're just like coming out doing the helicopter into the living room when you're like, yeah, we were going to get there, but I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. They're doing the naked man. So the Turbion was from 2009. Um, 
So maybe they're not doing the naked man. They've done this before. I think it's just we weren't paying attention. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> like actually, every time now the helicopter we've gone over happening. to his house, yeah. he's come out with his dick swinging around. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fine. Fine, uh, Dior. It's interesting, and I and and the question in this article is, what does it mean for the rest of the LVMH stable? And I think that's an that's an interesting question to to ponder on. We have this enormous conglomerate with the ass of Zenith. Uh, yeah. What does it mean? I mean, Bulgari's doing cool stuff. We've seen Louis Vuitton throw yeah. their... But they always have been. Louis Vuitton's throwing their, their hat in the ring. Yes. Like, let's see a Tiffany and Co. watch in Tiffany Blue with an El Primero. Yeah, and I figure fucking Leica can do it. Yeah. And, but, you know, Leica came out with the short shorts on. Mm-hmm. You could see the tip out the bottom, though. <laughs> Zenith. Speaking of Zenith and El Primero movements. Right where it ought to be now. Zenith is a brand that is still wearing pants all the way to its knee. I'm thinking pinstripe suit. Which is fine. Um, Which is fine. It's tasteful. Uh, And, you know, we still do know where it's going. Uh Zenith released a Chronomaster Sport this week, and it's a lot like prior Chronomaster Sports. However, it's 30% lighter because it's made fully out of grade 5 titanium. I should say the case is and bracelet is made fully out of grade, grade 5 titanium. Uh, it's a titanium Chronomaster Sport. I, that's it. That's the whole... I did not bury the lead. Maybe I did Mm-mm. just a little bit, but I got there. Um, and they've made this for ostensibly the Ultimate Tennis Showdown or UTS Championship. If you've never watched UTS, it's fascinating. It's uh, like sort of a high pace uh, tennis match. They don't play it in t- typical game set match. I think it's like four quarters. Um it's fun, and they also like the players talk and make noises, and it's like more casual, and the crowd gets kind of rowdy. Um, it's like it, it feels like exhibition tennis, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's but tennis for the people. It is. It's super fun. Anyway, so Zenith, I think, is the official sponsor of UTS, and so this is their UTS watch, and. Golly. Do you think I, you're going to get more swing speed if you're not wearing a heavy watch? You sure, yes, 100. <laughs> um, so a couple things about this watch. One, obviously, titanium, cool. Two, it is not our typical Chronomaster sport dial. You know, there's that white that's got the, the blue and red and uh, accents. You've got the black that's got blue and red accents. This is, besides like the tip of the second hand, well, so it's got the counterbalance of the second hand, the tip of the second hand, and then a 36,000 VPH text at the 12 o'clock block. Uh, besides that, this is pretty monochromatic. Mm-hmm. You've got a titanium case. You've got a sort of like gray silver dial. And then you've got a 
gray tone. You, you know, Zenith with these Chrono Master Sports always does three different colors on the subdials. Here we've got like a white, a silver, and a darker silver. Uh, turns out this is actually the same set of colors that they used for the Aaron Rodgers Chrono Master Sport, which I read that and I was like, no. And then I looked, yeah, yeah that is, that's what it is. That it, doesn't make sense. It, yeah, so it's like a green dial, but it's got these same oh, okay. like white, silver, gray oh. subdials. Uh, man, Andrew, I'm here for it. It's good. Uh, and, and actually, um, the thing that I was most excited about, it's only $500 more for the bracelet. Mm. 11, eight on a bracelet. That's $11,800 and 11, three on rubber. I, I don't see a world where you want to wear this on the rubber. You know what this is cheaper than? A lot of things. A Daytona. Yeah. It's a little bit more expensive than a Speedmaster. It's, it's less expensive than a Daytona. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying things at this okay. point. I'm just making noises with my mouth hole. I think it's it's less expensive, and it's you know brand new in box. You're going to pay less than almost any uh, any Rolex on the market. It's 100 meters of water resistance. It's got all the El Primero things. It's it, The case profile on this watch is just... It seems like it would... It, it's just the sportiest watch that's ever been made. Yeah, the, the way the yeah. chamfer comes off of the case and that sort of aggressive curve down. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I think it's a really terrific watch. Yeah, these are great. Maybe like... Maybe like one of the unsung heroes of the watch of the luxury watch world. Unsung, huh? I mean, think about it. I, I think it, in, yeah. In I'm, terms of what Zenith has done, horologically speaking, and in terms of the line they tow design wise, in terms of their ability to put out, high quality products they don't get they don't get the play that that you might that they deserve think yeah. they should so yeah. in that regard yeah zenith is is uh I, I mean at least in in the circles that we exist in and are aware of um certainly under regarded for for both their contributions historically and and what they're currently doing they're kind of a sleeper hit. Like you see a Zenith on somebody and they did that on purpose. Yeah. And they know exactly what the fuck they're wearing. They didn't just happen upon it. You know what you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I, it, it's, I think it's a really <clears throat> terrific watch. And if I was not buying so many fountain pens, I'd be seriously considering it. This over an Alpine Eagle, huh? <laughs> uh, oh, Interesting. You know, different watches, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, I'm only going to get one. It's probably an Alpine Eagle for me. If I'm getting one sort of watch in that price range, it's the Alpine Eagle. But if I can get them all, I'm obviously going to get an El Romero. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I made a joke about winning the lottery the other day at work. My boss is like, yeah, you just wear Rolex and travel the world. And I was like, no. 
<laughs> no, I would not. I would. I would likely not be wearing Rolex and traveling the world. <laughs> there, are, there are other things. Uh, and she kind of looked at me weird, and I was like, "Yeah, let's move on from that topic." <laughs> like you, you don't. You're not ready for that. Uh, okay, you, you, you're doing the thing. You don't know what it is, but you might want to stop. Yeah, you're you, you're about to open up a, a, a box that that cannot be closed. Uh, okay, so Seiko, Grand Seiko, pardon. It's, it's, they're different brands, Andrew. I, they are. They're different brands. They're discreet. Okay. Yeah, I know. God, we're gonna have to re- record this whole episode. <laughs> um, Grand Seiko SBGH four three one. And 343 debut the modern 62 Grand Seiko case in a 38 millimeter. And they come in two really lovely ice cream flavors. Uh, Grand Seiko is going to describe them in um, some eloquent, eloquent, elegant, fantastical, whimsical way with about 74 adjectives. One is mint chocolate chip, the other one's cotton candy, and they're gorgeous. No, this is obvious. No, stop it, Andrew. <laughs> Obviously, pistachio <laughs> and strawberry. I uh, that is exactly the color of strawberry ice cream. That's <laughs> the color of cotton candy ice cream. A, what the fuck is cotton candy ice cream? And when was the last time you saw a brand new gallon of strawberry? It looks like that. I don't. I don't I'm eat, calling it. I don't need ice cream. Hey, we need your comments. Write in. <clears throat> Pistachio and strawberry. Will at watchclicker.com. Tell us your opinions. Yeah. And let them know that that you're just deeply disappointed with them. Um, so this is just another uh, Grand Seiko's doing some stuff, right? They've this is probably release number seven or eight of the year for them. We're two months in and they're churning some stuff out. Um, they're pulling these down from a 40 millimeter case. Um I don't know what else. There is to say about it besides this is a new size debut in really lovely colors. And it's Grand Seiko. Um, yeah, well, so, so oh, okay. So first, 62GS is the first automatic watch in the Grand Seiko collection of all time ever. So it it holds a bit of... It's in a place of honor. Provenance, honor. Uh, and, and when they re-released these a handful of years ago, I think there was a lot of people that was like... It's a 40 millimeter. It is, what the fuck, Grand Seiko. Uh, this, I think, brings this watch much more into line with what I would expect it to be. I mean, I think this is a 38 millimeter watch all day. Yeah, but I also, I. <clears throat> Grand Seiko does some odd things for really good reasons that they never share why. I just assumed they, they had a reason and accepted it. I like it better in 38. 9S, 85 movement, high intensity titanium, 100 meters of water resistance. The kind of confusing part to me is that they're 12.9 thick. Well, what do you mean it's confusing to you? It's exactly what I, I saw this and I was like, this thing's going to be a whopper. It's going to be. You know it's going to be. But why make it smaller and not make it smaller? And Because it's Grand Seiko. What are you talking? They don't. That's as thick as they, that's as thin as they can go. Yeah. 
If it's under 14, we're, we're like, nice work, Grand Seiko. It's, yeah, but we shouldn't. All right, I've got some other thoughts about this. So, so one... 7,300 bucks. The dials are beautiful. They're gorgeous. The handsets, amazing. Of course they are. They're Grand Seiko. They do those things. The, the case, the mid-case, fucking perfect. It's too thick. And there's a, there's a problem with, I think... There's a problem between, there's a discord between the case, the, the Zeratsu polishing and these that sort of uh, grammar of design case and the bracelet. I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't think they match up well. In, in this case, it seems to me that the brushing on the case, the way they've done it and the, those really stark, sharp angles, uh, the, Yeah. I don't think the bracelet matches the case here. And for the amount of money it, you're paying, I want it to be, I, I want there to be a little bit more accord. On this. I, I think the bracelet does. I think the problem is in the end link. You, you know, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to accept that Grand Seiko is releasing mainline everyday watches for $8,000. But given that, it's like fix your shit, Grand Seiko. This doesn't. You, you can't have a bracelet that doesn't match the watch, and this bracelet doesn't match this watch. For eight thousand bucks, the bracelet needs to be designed with the watch with the watch mm-hmm. in mind, and that didn't happen here. So you can fuck off, Grand Seiko. Not really. I love it, and and I love them, but this is a it's it's a mess for me. I think it's gorgeous. Uh, but gorgeous. I agree. I, I think I think it's an end link problem. I think this bracelet can work with a better, uh, not integrated to the watch, but a better design integration between yeah, the end link and the watch. They need to do something. Yeah, mm-hmm. they need to do something. I'm not sure what it is, but great movement, nine S eighty five movement, which is phenomenal. But yeah, and I'm sure a really beautiful story about the color choices. <laughs> Strawberry pistachio. What's the is it strawberry? No, it's cherry. The spumoni is chocolate. Strawberry. Pistachio. And cherry? Or is it strawberry? I think it's strawberry. Okay. Well, there you go. I think spumoni. I think spumoni is actually cherry. It's Neapolitan that's strawberry. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Um, is that it? I think that's it. I, I, I think we're we're out. When was the last time we made it through a list? Yep. Chocolate, pistachio, and maraschino cherry. Or spumoni. You do know your sweets. I, I should never challenge you on that. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, other things, what do you got? I got another thing. I um, I got some cookbooks recently. Um, and one of them I got really because I'd eaten at the restaurant and i was like anything that he's willing to share i am here for uh so the the book is momofuku it is by chef david chang um written with uh peter meehan Mian, maybe meehan i'm gonna go with that um it is i should have brought it up it is Gorgeous. It is coffee table book worthy. So it's it's more than just a cookbook. It is like almost a memoir intertwined with his cookbook. Um, there are recipes from each of his endeavors. 
um, his restaurant endeavors and kind of stories intertwined with the recipes telling the story of how it got started, um, how the restaurant got started, like the inspiration behind it, the struggles that they had keeping it afloat, the things that they did wrong. It was like a really interesting exercise in a chef's vulnerability. Like, no, we fucked this up. We did this poorly and we didn't respond quickly enough. Or like we knew we were doing it poorly, but we couldn't figure out how to do it better until we did. And then we figured it out and we, so we did better and you're right. We weren't good enough, but now we are. Um, Really beautifully written. The photography is amazing. The quality of the, the book is terrific. Uh, so the title is Momofuku, um, which is the name of his, I don't know, multi-location restaurant. Um, I went to the one in Las Vegas. It's his noodle house. Uh, and it was phenomenal. It's one of the best meals that I've ever had. And it's so simple. It was just spicy ramen. But everything was perfect. So anyway, I get this cookbook and uh, I started cooking things out of it. Everything I made out of it is absolutely phenomenal. And I gotta say, this is a great, this could be a coffee table book. Um, and the, the cover is gorgeous. Yeah, it's like a woodcut with a peach maybe? An orange? Yeah. I think it's an orange, maybe. Um, 34 bucks um, from Barnes & Noble. I think it's a little less that, than that on Amazon. You know, it might be a peach. And uh, Meehan, um, what, what, isn't Meehan the one behind Lucky Peach? I think so. It looks more like a peach to me. Yeah. Right. Um, beautiful book. Great writing. Great recipes everything from it that i've made has been phenomenal um some of it's like good funny writing there's one recipe in there for for his ramen noodles he like he tells this long story about getting to the right ramen noodle so that's an endeavor right finding the right ingredients for what you're trying to do and right at the beginning of his recipe was like here it is but honestly by instant stuff. It's way easier. And he just flat out tells you, yeah, it's not worth making this. Yeah. It's worth it at the restaurant at scale. At home? No. Um, so I love it. It is gorgeous book. All the food's great. Uh, and I have so many gallons of ramen broth in my freezer. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? When you make ramen broth, you got to make a ton of it. It's silly not to. Yeah. So you, you make like five gallons and you need half a gallon. You, you know, I, I'm thinking the, the last time I made ramen broth, I, I thought, you know, I should get a canning set up the next time I do this. Um, I, I don't know really what's involved in canning, but it seems like something people have been doing it for hundreds mm -hmm. of years. I've got jars. I have jars and a pressure cooker. I'm kind of scared of canning because of botulism because of botulism. And I know it's totally, it, it's, I'm too meticulous a person to actually be impacted by botulism. I bet botulism isn't as bad as you think. Well, people die. Yeah, it's probably fine. Yeah. Just a little bit dead. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I've never canned it. I, have, I mean, I have all the equipment. 
I just uh, haven't, I've been a little scared, so I don't do it. Um, so Momofuku, uh, and if you find yourself in Las Vegas, um, hit up, uh, ooh, I don't remember the hotel it's in. It's in a new hotel on the south side of the strip. Um, hit that up. And then when you're done, go to the chandelier bar right outside of it and get yourself a Verbana cocktail and have a great night. Oh, yeah. You told us about the Verbana cocktail. Mm-hmm. I have another thing, Andrew. Do me. I, as discussed, have recently got into fountain pens. And being the guy I am, I quickly bought one, a two, nay, six fountain pens, all in very short order. They range from MSRP. I'm going to give MSRP prices. I'm not going to state what I paid for any of these. They range from MSRP $40 to MSRP $880. Yeah, but you didn't pay that. So I'm not going to say. Greenman deal. I'm not going to say what I spent. Um, I did. Uh, I've bought almost, actually, of those, I've bought them all new these are all new pens um and they really do they really do run the gamut of of like sort of entry level to sort of luxurious and and like grails type of uh goat pens these are all user functional writing pens there's certainly fountain pens that are significantly more expensive than these precious metals or you know um urushi lacquered pens can go you know eagle quills like eagle feather quill into the many 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 thousands of dollars um but but really about a thousand dollars is the high end of uh tool what i would call tool fountain pens and so i'm kind of across i've kind of purchased pens all the way across that gamut and of these six pens i like all of them andrew Mm. i like all of them there's none of them there's none of them that i got and i was like oh this isn't this isn't for me uh, genuinely, which is part of the thing we, we do, right? We we spend so much time thinking and looking that we're like, okay. I'm but by the time you know, you know. I'm going to like this. Um, one pen has stood out, though. And if it was the most expensive pen, I probably wouldn't talk about it in this context. Uh, but it's not. It is not a cheap pen and so i'm going to talk about a thing that some some people listening will be like oh yeah yeah yeah." other people listening will be like you did you spent what you're listening to a watch podcast so just bear that in mind yes as as we move forward here that's right um i bought a pen so so japan has three uh the big three fountain pen companies being platinum sailor and Pilot, those are the big three fountain pen companies, much like Japan has the big three watch companies. Um, and I, it, it's a pen from one of those three companies, which is Pilot. And I think Pilot sort of, Pilot is sort of the, um, 
the Seiko of the Japanese watch world. This is actually an argument that's sailor, but never mind for that. They make really good, nice, precision shit. Um, It's not the most artistic, but it is really good precision shit. They have a pen, and, and the reason this pen sort of popped onto my radar is that I had read this is a pen that Neil Gaiman famously uses and advocates. And I was like, well, that's interesting. It is the uh, Pilot Custom 823 fountain pen. If you know anything about fountain pens, you will know what this pen is. It is what they call a vacuum fill, which is a bit of an oddity in the fountain pen world. Most most fountain pens are either cartridge or converter pens or they're piston filled fans. So everybody knows Mont Blanc makes pens. Mont, Blanc, Mont Blanc's pens are famously piston filled. Uh, most uh, sort of high end or medium end pens are cartridge or converter pens, which is either a little ink filled, pre-filled reservoir or, or a, a reservoir that you by twisting fill up. This is a vacuum filled pen. So you actually fill up the barrel with this sort of unique system that you twist a plunger down and it creates a vacuum. And once it hits a breaking point, it breaks the vacuum and pulls ink up into the reservoir. It's really cool to watch. The Pilot Custom 823 Mm. is a really well-finished pen in fountain pens. The weird thing I've found about fountain pens is unlike watches, I think by and large, the fountain pen world does not give a shit about quality of finishes. So watch people will micromanage hand polishing and they'll like, they'll take macro photos to see if there got to be any dust between the crystal and the dial during manufacturing. That does not exist in fountain pens, Andrew. And I'm not sure if it's because of the way they get used that they're natural. I don't know. I, Looking at some of the pens that, you know, you will pay many hundreds of dollars for, you know, RPs of $250, $300, and you get these things, and you look at the finishes, and I'm like, you know, coming from watches, I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Mm-hmm. Um, that's really not true with the Pilot 823. This pen is tip-to-tail finished excellently. The nib on it is fantastic. It, if you are a person... Here's why I'm talking about this. If you are a person that wants to try fountain pens and and you and you think, you know what? I want maybe one really good fountain pen and I don't want to fuck around with doing the work and I don't want to fuck around with like starting low and kind of working my way up. I just want to get the one really good pen. This is the one. If you want one fountain pen and you want to spend a little bit of money, you don't want to spend too much money, get a Pilot Custom 823. That's that's my advice as someone who's brand new. Now, I'm brand new to the fountain pen world, but I have seen numerous other people with significantly more experience than me say the same thing. It is just a pleasure to use every single aspect of using it. Filling it is great. The ink capacity is huge, so you're not filling it constantly. The nib feels fantastic. It writes beautifully. It is just 
tip to tail, well-finished, incredibly pleasurable to use, and it's not super expensive. So I, I we're going to include a link in the show notes. If you're listening to this at any time after about a week from the date of publishing, that link might not be good. But you can find these on eBay for something like 200 to 250 bucks. That's a lot, right, for a pen. Yeah. But in terms of what you're getting, I think it's it's a steal. I retail on these I think is about $100 more than that. I think it's like 325 or 350, which to me feels like a huge jump. Um but if you can get the, one of these for under 250 bucks and you want that one fountain pen and that doesn't feel like too much to you, this is the guy. This is the one. Are you prepared to explain why left-handed people need special nibs? Well, because this looks like a pretty symmetrical nib to me. I don't know anything about a left-handed nib. What I do understand is that left-handed people, you, you typically use dry inks, fast drying inks, and blotter paper when they write. Um, I I probably wouldn't consider writing with a fountain pen if I was left-handed. Because of the ink smudge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I probably just wouldn't fuck with it. Sorry, Andrew. No, this is not something that even remotely interests me. <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm conversationally aware that there are left-handed nibs and whole user guides on left-handed uh, fountain pen tips, tricks. You know, it, it, I was really <clears throat> resistant to getting into the fountain pen world for a long time. I've had a, a Coico Sport, if you know fountain pens at all, for about 10 years. I use it frequently. It's actually all patina to hell. Uh, I throw it in my bag. I use it all the time. I've filled it. I've gone through almost an entire bottle of ink in the last four or five years, um, which doesn't seem super fast, but it, it's pretty fast. You know, that's a lot of ink. Yeah. Um, and and so that is uh, that was always enough. I was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. So I think unless you're like really into it, it's maybe not something that you need to get into it. Like, and I don't know, I just sort of fell down the rabbit hole and I'm loving it. But if I was left-handed, I'm sure I would not. Are you going to get like a, like a multi-tiered kind of podium uh, for your, for your desk to display your inks and then like a cool display for all of your pens so that you can select your implement and, I will not be doing that for fear of being heckled by my by my office staff and my law partners. You have a banner on the wall of your office that reads watches. Yeah, that's, that's it. It just that, says watches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I no, I'm not going to get the I'm not going to be like displaying this stuff. This is a uh, yeah, it's an it, it, things can go from hobby to affectation. The, the watches banner I think is absurd and that's why I like it. I will not be displaying my inks. I'll be getting you a banner that says pens, pens, (laughs) writing. (laughs) Andrew, 
we've done all of the things we set out to do. I do believe. Is there anything that you'd like to say before we let these poor people go for their for the rest of their Thursday? I I'm a lot of things. I'm glad to hear it. Hey, I want to thank you guys. I want to thank you guys this Valentine's Day. I know we missed it, and I'm sorry. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20 of the Watch Clicker podcast. Do me a favor and check us out at watchclicker.com. That's our website. We actually do very little to, to encourage the growth of that website besides talk to you once a week. Mm-hmm. So go check it out. Uh, there's great articles and reviews. They go up every week, sometimes multiple times a week. Uh, and, and it's really well done. You, you can also check us out on social media. That's at watchclicker and at 40 and 20 underscore watch clicker. That's where we post pictures and updates about the things that we're putting on the website. If you want to support us and oh boy, we hope you do. You can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Like that's how we keep the heat on in this place. Uh, We have software needs. We have hardware needs and the folks that are supporting us help us do that and keep the show running. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.